The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. 8474. The speaker is not unfamiliar, or he's familiar to many of us. The Reverend Bill Godfrey uh, is a graduate of this August institution, having graduated many years ago after serving uh, as an attorney in the legal career, and then came to this school to receive his MDiv, and then became a minister in the United Reformed Churches, and for many years served as the senior minister at Grace URC in Torrance, California. But this coming Sunday, uh, he will be installed as the new minister at uh, Christ URC in Santee. Uh, He's also one of our adjunct professors in the Practical Theology Department. So it's my delight uh, to introduce Bill Godfrey. Please come and bring us God's Word. Well, it's a delight to be here, even if uh, the invitation was we're desperate to find somebody because we need someone on Thursday. Um, It's always nice when you get invited because they reach the bottom of the barrel and... um, (laughs) Now it's down to you. Uh, Dr. Kim assures me that's not the case. But uh, anyway, so I've, I've had since Tuesday to think about what I might say to all of you. Um, and I'd like for you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And while you're doing that, I'll say in all sincerity, it is good to be here. And when your friend calls you and tells you they need help, you just help. So um, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. I want to read uh, those 11 verses. And let's pay careful attention for this is God's own word. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall, shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Um, Thus far, the reading of God's word, may he bless it to us. I hope you'll know that we will not be doing an extensive study of this entire passage. As Dr. Hal Jones used to say, I'm going to sketch it out and I'll leave you to fill it out later. Um, But I do want to speak about comfort. This is a passage, obviously, that comes to comfort God's people. 
I thought that you might be in a time of the semester where you needed comfort um, with papers due a week from tomorrow. Um, This was a a passage of comfort that came to a people desperate for comfort, and I thought maybe you'd be in that camp. Uh, The real desperate people are probably in the library working on their... on their papers, but uh, I thought we would talk about this together. And of course, this passage of Isaiah, as probably most of you know, comes at a transitional point in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah is moving from the things that are going on in his time and space to talk about things that will be going on in the future for God's people. When his, his gaze really goes 150, 200 years into the future, and he's going to talk about what's going to happen after the exile and as God's people come to return. Um, E.J. Young said, when one turns from the 39th to the 40th chapter of Isaiah, it is as though he steps out of the darkness of judgment into the light of salvation. Uh, Derek Kidner said, we wake, so to speak, on the far side of the disaster. Liberation is in the air. There is the persistent promise of a new exodus with God at its head. Um, And it's fitting in that light, right, that the first words are comfort, comfort. Um, and so we want to think about that, that command to comfort along with the three voices that follow that command to comfort. Uh, voices that say God's, God's glory will appear, God's word will endure, and God's arm will deliver. Uh, so four points in 12 minutes. We'll see if we can do it. Uh, the command to comfort is what comes first, and, and maybe it's the, it's the precious part of this passage that we all know very well. That wonderful beginning, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Uh, Repeated to emphasize what's being commanded to do. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Uh, It's also important that that God is saying that to his people. Uh, One of the great questions of the Exodus, if you remember the exile, as people wondered about the promises of God, wondered about their situation, so often they ask the question, has God forgotten His promises? Um, Has He cast us off forever? Are we no longer His people? Is He no longer our God? And so what a wonderful thing for God to come to His people and speak a word of comfort and to say, comfort, comfort, my people says your God. Uh, to remind them that they are not forgotten. That they are not lost in the mix. That God's promises to them stand. And that's going to be important for us in our lives going forward to remember that fact that when it seems as if the promises are failing, uh, when it seems as if God has forgotten to be merciful, uh, when it seems as if things are falling apart, that God will always come back to His people and say, I am still your God, and you are still my people. And the word I have for you is comfort. It's important that we have that promise firmly before our eyes. And why should God's people have comfort? What is the the source of their comfort? Well, it's it's spelled out for us in verse 2. There's a threefold reason that God's people are to be comforted. Their hard service is over. That time of discipline whereby their unfaithfulness they had forfeited for a time God's blessing, that time of hard service is over. Um, That the Lord has paid off their iniquity. Um, That there is now nothing between them and their God. That's an important thing for God's people to be reminded of again and again. That through Jesus Christ you can be right with God. 
That what the iniquity, the guilt, the wrath that was between you and God is no longer between you because Christ has intervened. He has taken, he has taken on himself the penalty that our iniquity deserved and he's paid it off. Your iniquity is paid for. You've received from the Lord's hand double for all your sins. That, of course, does not mean the Lord has failed to be just or has overpaid. What it's doing is assuring us that the full measure has been paid. Um, he is perfectly satisfied uh, for the sins of His people. Um, and that God wants that message spoken to His people, and He wants that message spoken to them with tenderness with tenderness. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Um, one of the privileges of speaking a word of comfort and getting to share the gospel good news, whether that's in your official capacity as a minister or elder, or whether it's in your capacity as a lay member of the congregation, in your office as a believer, it's a wonderful privilege to be able to speak words of comfort to people who need to hear them. Um, and it's imperative that we speak that word in the way God intends it to be spoken, tenderly. Um, God wants the truth spoken to His people, but He also wants the truth spoken in love. And it's a wonderful thing that God comes to a people that have been so rebellious, so deserving of exile, really so deserving of being abandoned by God altogether, and yet He comes back to them and because of His covenant grace and mercy speaks this word to them and speaks it to them tenderly. Be kind to them. They've had a hard life. Um, it's a wonderful testimony to the goodness of our God. Because everything they've gone through, they had earned. They had deserved. And yet God knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And He says, speak to my people, but speak to them tenderly. And of course, we can see in our new covenant context that all of these things are ours through the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, that our hard service is over, that our iniquity has been paid for, that we've received from the Lord's hand double for all our sins in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that gospel word can be spoken to God's people in tenderness. And the comforting voices that follow in this passage um, help us to drive that wonderful truth home. Again, we can't get into all of these wonderful words that we hear, but verses 3-5, through five, we're reminded that God's glory will appear. We have a voice crying in the wilderness. And Isaiah, the, the way it's sort of written is to say, listen, somebody's saying something. And of course, the natural question is, what are they saying? Uh, so here, there's a voice crying, and what does it cry? Prepare in the wilderness a way for our God. Um, that the Lord is coming. Uh, that God, God's glory will appear. Um, and when you hear that the Lord is coming, what ought you to do? Well, you ought to prepare yourself. We know in the New Testament that this voice belongs to John the Baptist in a true and fundamental sense. But it's John the Baptist who calls out to the people, prepare for the way of the Lord. The Lord is coming. Um, and what do you do to prepare for the Lord? Well, you get yourself ready. You, you repent. You go and be washed for the remission of your sins. You get ready to greet Him when He's coming because nothing is going to stop His coming. If He meets a valley, it will rise up. So he'll walk right over it. If he meets a mountain, he'll walk right through it. It'll lay down in front of him. He's coming and will not be delayed. And so we need to be ready to meet him when he comes. And when he comes, what will God's people see? They will see his glory. And not just his people will see his glory. The world will see his glory. 
Everyone will see the glory of the Lord when He comes. And that's, of course, the beauty of what Jesus Christ does in the world. He is the glorious appearing of God in the world and He saves God's people. His salvation is known and it's known before the world. When Paul goes to share the history of what has happened and he's before Agrippa and Festus, he's able to say, I'm not talking about some speculative event. I'm not talking about some mystery. I'm not talking about something that happened in a corner. King Agrippa, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're aware of what's happened. The glory of the Lord has been revealed before all the world. That's the comfort. The comfort of that first voice in verses 3-5. through The comfort that God's glory will appear. It has appeared. It will appear. And the whole world will see it when it does. God's glory will appear. God's Word will endure. That's what we see in verses 6-8. through God's Word will endure. It doesn't seem like much of a comforting voice when it comes and says, you're frail as grass and you're going to wither. Now go forth and be blessed. No. Um, what, what, is the, what is the comfort that comes from those words? Why is that introduced to us? Because it's comparing us to the Word of God. Um, I'll leave it to the Hebrew scholars to flesh this out, but it's, it's sort of interesting that when the beauty of man is spoken of here, it's spoken with the word hesed. Our hesed is fleeting. Um, I'll leave it to the Hebrew scholars to figure out whether Isaiah is making a play on words, talking about not just the, the strength of God's people, but the faithfulness of God's people. And maybe it is that our hesed, our covenant loyalty, is like flowers that fade away. But the point is, God does not fade away. God's Word endures. It doesn't do what grass and, and flowers do. You know, we've been enjoying the super bloom here in Southern California, but go to the hills in August and see if it's still super blooming. Um, I think we'll all then be worried about how much of that is going to burn when fire season comes. Because it will quickly fade away. And that's how we are described. But the Word of God is not like that. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. And what's interesting is when the New Testament brings this word to bear, when Peter brings this word to bear, it's to say, you've been born from that word. From that word that's imperishable in Christ. So that you have life now from that imperishable word. And upon account of Christ, you will not wither or fade. And if we think about the incarnation in that way, there's a beautiful thing that God's doing. Christ comes into the world to take on flesh as the Word come in the flesh, so that He can clothe us with the Word. He's the Word made flesh to make flesh the Word. So that we will endure. So that we will not fail. So that we will grow out of that imperishable seed. Um, as the Apostle says, you've been born again. 1 Peter 1, 23 and 25. Not from perishable seed, but out of imperishable. Through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the Word of our God remains forever. God's Word will endure. And if you're in Christ, you are in that Word that endures. You've been remade, reborn, after the image of our Lord and His Word. Uh, God's Word will endure. And finally, God's arm will deliver. That's the final comfort that comes in, in verse nine, verses 9-11. through 11. Get up, herald of good news, and announce the glory of what's happening. 
right? Get up high, a place where you can be heard. Shout it out loud. Make sure everybody can hear it. And don't be afraid. This word is true. This word will not fail. It's a good testimony to all those who want to go on and be gospel ministers. Get up high, shout it out loud, and don't be afraid. Everything you're saying is true. It's necessary. The world needs to hear it. And what is that good news? God is here. That's the wonderful good news of verse 9. Get up high on a mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Right? God is here. That's the most wonderful message that you can bring uh, to anyone. John Calvin said, this expression includes the sum of our happiness, which consists solely in the presence of God. Right? That would be enough for God's people. Just that simple word, God is here. Behold your God. Um, But that's not all that we read here. God is here, and that's certainly good news, but the Lord comes with might. His arm rules for Him. His great strength is the hope of His people. That great strength that's deployed for the sake of those that He loves. Uh, The great strength of the arm of the Lord is highlighted here and God's people can rejoice in that. That His reward and His recompense are before Him. What, What is the reward of God? What is the recompense of God? It's the fact that He has been victorious and He carries with Him the spoils of His victory. And for a people in exile, what, is the, what are the spoils of that victory? It's the fact that those who were in exile are now brought home with their God. Those who've been aliens and strangers in a foreign land have come home. And this has happened by the mighty hand of our God. And it's wonderful when we think about the hands of our God to think not only of His great strength against His enemies for His people, but also the tender care He exerts over His people. The wonderful juxtaposition here about the great strength of our God that is triumphant over all and also with the tender care of our God. That just because He's great, just because He's strong, just because His arm is mighty doesn't mean He doesn't know how to care for simple, weak people like us. And so not only is His hand powerful to save, but He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom. He will gently lead those that are with young. Our Lord is kind. Our Lord is compassionate. He knows our weakness. And not only is He mighty to save the weak, He's also gentle to care for those who need caring for. All of these things can contribute to the comfort of God's people. Whatever you need right now, He's powerful enough to give it to you. Whatever your weaknesses are, whatever you're struggling with right now, He's kind enough to care for those weaknesses. His hand is not heavy on His people. His hand is kind. His hand is compassionate. It's a wonderful testimony, not just to the great greatness of our God, but to His grace and gentleness. Remember that for yourself, um, especially at difficult times and seasons of life like you're going through now. But remember also to bring that to your people. We have a great God, a powerful God, but we have a God who cares. He cares enough to come and speak tenderly and comfort His people, kind enough to come 
tenderly and care for his people, like you have to carry carefully and tenderly a small little lamb or gently lead those that are with young. Uh, may we have that same compassion that our Lord has for his flock and care for them that same way and know that he cares for us that way as well. So comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are thankful for the work that our Lord Jesus Christ has done, how we have seen his power and how we can be comforted by his care. Lord, we know that there are many weaknesses and frailties that we bear in this life, some that are known to those around us, some that we bear silently, Lord, but we thank you that you know them all, that you come to us and speak to us in our weakness with tender words that our hearts desire to hear. You speak tenderly so that we might reach out to you and know that we find a faithful friend and a true comforter. We thank you that Christ is not just mighty for us, but that he has worked his imperishable life in us by his word so that we can be confident that, confident that whatever comes to us in this veil of tears will not uh, snow us under, but will uh, ultimately be used for our good and for your glory. And we thank you for God's strong right arm, the arm of Jesus Christ that will surely endure and carry us through all things, not just with his great strength, but with his gentle care. Lord, would you comfort us truly with those words and, and fill our hearts with praise and gratitude that we have such a God and Savior. And hear our prayers, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California, 2019. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.